0: We're here again on Wednesday night, it's March 8th, and we uh, are going to be in the book of Deuteronomy, continuing on, and we're going to uh, be in chapter 11. But before we start reading out of Deuteronomy, uh, we're going to pray. And we have some people to pray for, um, so let's lift them up. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening. Father, we ask that you would be with uh, those people that we have brought up here tonight. Father, we ask that you would be with Tim, that uh, that the doctors will be able to find out what's going on with, with that situation. Father, we ask that you would give him a healing touch. Father, we'd also like to lift up Ronnie to you as he's gone through the surgery today. And uh, we hope that all has gone well, that um, he will be on a... Uh, a quick recovery. So, Father, we just wanted to lift him up. And, and Father, we we want to lift up Bob to you with the news of his heart situation and, and the decision that he had to make. Father, we ask that you would just, you know, be with him and help him and uh, also give him some healing in his heart so that he will be able to continue to do the things that he wants to do. And, Father, we... Uh, we ask that you would be with the people who are here tonight, the people who will be here tomorrow night, and that we we would just be uh, your house, the house of the Lord, and people would start to recognize it as that. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit will be in this place, especially when, when we are here gathered to study your word, and also, Father, for this literacy program that... Uh, people's hearts will be touched and that they will be um, just open to the idea of maybe coming to this church and for more than just literacy. Father, we, uh, we, we want to be here for our community, and we want to be able to minister to everyone around. And Father, as we get into your word tonight, I pray that the Holy Spirit will guide us and help us to understand your word. In Christ's name we pray, amen. All right, uh, Deuteronomy 11. Uh, Remember, we've been talking about um, repetition lately, because as you go through, see, Deuteronomy is a, a very large book of the Bible, and one of the reasons why it's so long is because the same thing is being said over and over again, you you will notice that as I read through 11, there's going to be almost word for word for what Moses had said just a few chapters before. But we... Also, that this book of Deuteronomy is a very detailed history book for the nation of Israel. All right, so what... What has man, listen very carefully, what has mankind learned from history? That mankind never learns from history. That's what we've learned from history. That we never learn from history. We're told that we need to know history so we won't repeat the mistakes of the past but yet we just continue to do the same thing over again. And we see it right here, so don't be surprised. We see it with the nation of Israel and all that they've gone through. They should have known better than anybody. To follow God's ways, things will be great. Don't follow God's ways, things are going to be tough. Therefore, and of course, if you weren't here last week, you got to read chapter 10 on your own to understand what therefore for. Is is therefore, thou shalt love the Lord thy God and keep his charge, and his statutes and his judgments and his commandments always. And know ye this day, for I speak not with your children which have not known and which have not seen the chastisement of the of the Lord your God, his greatness his mighty hand, and his stretched out arm. So this is focusing on what God did. We, today, need to always be focused on what God did, what Jesus did, what the Holy Spirit is doing right now. Not focused on us. Stop focusing so much on yourself and start looking more to what God has done, what Jesus did on that cross and what the Holy Spirit is doing right now, and you'll start to have victory in this life. And His miracles, this is verse 3, and His acts, which He did in the midst of Egypt unto Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and unto all His land. Talking about Pharaoh's land. Look at what God did to all of that situation. And what he did, are you catching the theme here? What he did unto the army of Egypt, unto their horses, and to their chariots, how he made the water of the Red Sea to overflow them as they pursued after you, he's talking to the nation of Israel, and how the Lord hath destroyed them unto this day. Of course, we know, most of us know the story, that whole story. And we know that all the plagues of Egypt, all the things that happened in Egypt, and then finally Pharaoh let the children of Israel go, and they left, only to go right up into this dead-end street, and there's this big sea in front of them, and the Egyptian army is coming in from behind them, and the only thing that kept them back was that, that, uh, that fire. You know, it, kept us, it kept them separated, and then Moses was instructed to go down to the Red Sea, and he put the rod down in it, and the, and the sea opened up. It just opened up to where they could go through. Now, at the, the very last verse of chapter 10 talked about how it was only, what, 70 people? Three score and ten. Seventy people went down in from uh, the household of Jacob. Now they've gone down in. They followed after Joseph. Joseph's down there taking care of everybody. And then they go, only seven go in. And then it said, he has, God ha- hath made thee as the stars of heaven for multitude. So when they came out of Egypt, there's estimations of two million people came out. I mean, imagine 2 million people being all on this journey out of Egypt, and they get to the Red Sea, and how much time it would have taken all of them to start filing in to that Red Sea. Wall of water on both sides. Now, I remember seeing some type of a documentary on the nature, some type of nature or history channel or something a long time ago. It was years and years ago. And they were, talk, they were trying to debunk some of these uh, miracles. And they were talking about how the Red Sea at that time, if the wind blew in a certain direction, it would move the water to where they could have walked across. Because there, there supposedly there was this bar, a big sandbar or something, that was in the middle of the sea. And that the, the nation of Israel, they just walked across in ankle deep water. So. That makes the miracle, how did God drown all of the Egyptian army in four inches of water? So maybe they were just real stupid, and they just fell down on their faces and drowned. No, it's it's amazing what worldly people will do to try to argue against the Word of God. You, you, you try to take away one miracle, well, you just created another miracle. And, you know, God's word is that way. It shows you that this is what happened, and then this is what happened. So if you try to take away the first miracle, then you've turned it into another kind of miracle for the Egyptian army to drown in water that's just barely enough to cover your ankles. Okay, so we know that, that it was a miracle, that the water opened up, Everybody went through, and as they went through, then that, that pillar of fire that went away, then the uh, Egyptian army just rushed down in. They were all instructed to rush in. They had horses and chariots, and they were uh, going through the Red Sea. And as they all got in there, then all of a sudden the waters just collapsed and just drowned them all. God is an amazing God. All right, verse 5. And what he did unto you in the wilderness until ye came into this place. Verse 6. And what he did unto Dathan and Abraham, Abraham, the sons of Eliab, uh, the son of Reuben, how the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up and their households and their tents and all the substance that was in their possession in the midst of all Israel. So, it's kind of interesting that it's, so if you are reading this and you know the story, you're probably puzzled, why did it not say Korah? Right there. Well, Korah is the main person who started it, but then he was—he had to get people under him to follow him, and these were two of the guys that are really held uh, to be blamed, and then they got other people under them to go along with Korah, and Korah, uh, they were trying to do things that they were not allowed to do, so they started to talk bad about Moses and Aaron. All right? A very important lesson. If God has put people in positions, you have to be very careful about complaining about that person who's in that position. We, we need to be careful how we talk about leaders that God has put in place. I have had plenty of opportunity in the past to badmouth pastors in churches, different churches I've gone to. And while they're in that position of being a pastor, some type of leader, I fear God too much to talk bad about them. Now, I might go to them in private, just one-on-one, and tell them my concerns, but even if I feel like they shouldn't be in that position, they're doing it just because man wants them there, I'm still too scared to take that risk of talking bad about the person that is in the position. Because if God called them, then who am I? to say something bad about them. you got to be careful about it, very careful. So all the people who was on Korah's side, they all lined up, and they had an opportunity to walk away from that and to get on God's side. And the ones who did not, the ground split open, and they all fell in. All those men and all their families all of their possessions, everything, it was like go to hell card with, oh, you don't even have to die first. Here you go. You're going directly to hell and you don't even have to die. Wow. That's scary. Do we fear God? We, we're instructed uh, last week, last Wednesday, that was part of the title of the message, was to fear. Do we fear? God I was listening to something today they were talking about uh, might have been Baker Jim Baker from way back he got into a big big mess he did a lot of sinful things he was I think went to prison for what he did I mean I was really really young when all that happened so I don't have a lot of memory of it but I just remember that because he was a very famous preacher The world absolutely loves it when a famous preacher falls they love it they'll jump all over it and there was a a man who went to see him in prison and he said that he never stopped loving Jesus and the man was like what do you mean how could you have done all of those bad things you, you had ad- adulterous relationships. You were stealing money. You were doing this, that, and the other. You got thrown in prison for this. How can you say that you never stopped loving Jesus? He said, I didn't. I never stopped loving Jesus. He said, my fault was I stopped fearing God. All of the blessings of the fame and all of the stuff that happened, he stopped fearing God just exactly like what's happening right here that we're reading out of Deuteronomy we need to have a very healthy fear or respect of god i for me to be in a position of pastor for me to go out and to do sinful things scares me really really bad now you know you get people talking you're, you're, you've are you're got liberty now, you were born again, and now you've got all this liberty. Liberty for what? Liberty to go out and sin? That is what you got set free from. The bondage that you were in was the sin. You, th- the world and the devil and your flesh, the lust of your flesh, had you in bondage, and because of what Jesus did, it freed you from that bondage. So if you are enslaved to drug addiction you're enslaved to alcoholism if you're enslaved to anger if you're enslaved to uh, fornication all of these things that you can be enslaved in you need to those chains to be broken And only a belief in Jesus Christ and what he did for you can break those chains. And then you will be at liberty, but not at liberty to go right back into what you were set free from. Why would you ever do that? Seven, but your eyes have seen all the great acts. Another way of saying what God did of the Lord which he did, therefore shall ye keep all the commandments which I command you this day, that ye be, may be strong, and go in and possess the land, whither ye go to possess it. Now, here's the thing. Israel, they are... We haven't got there yet, but... When you get to the next book of the Bible, it's Joshua. And Joshua takes these people that Moses is talking to right now into the promised land. All right, we have an opportunity to go into the promised land, spiritually speaking, when we're born again. And there's all kinds of promises that God has given us in His Word, and do we take possession of those promises? or do we just barely get by in our new Christian walk? Are are we going to be more like Abraham, or are we going to be more like Lot? Lot lived in a horrible city. He let the corruption of that city ruin his whole family. So, do you want to barely get through with your Christian walk and never have a change to where you live a better life And not just you live a better life, but the people around you will live a better life and you can break some of these things that have been hanging on from generation to generation. All of these bad things that keep you uh, from living a life full for God because we're supposed to want to be in service for our Lord. We, we, We want to do for God because He did so much for us and out of love for Him, and having a servant's heart, we want to do things for the Lord. And if you're, if you're still living worldly, you're still living after your flesh, you're not going to be able to do the things that we want to do to serve God. Do you understand that? Now, there's a fine line between doing good things and trying to clean your life up out of guilt and duty, it's a different, it's, it's right on the other side of that fine line is you're believing on what Jesus has done for you and the Holy Spirit, you're walking after the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is what's giving you the power to overcome all those things that are in your life. Now, <clears throat> there's people that are going to be in the church that are going to be on one side or the other of that. There's going to be some that don't quite get it. They they haven't had that revelation or that enlightenment yet. They don't really know, but they're just going along, trying to do better. But I don't, I'm afraid that you'll be that way instead of actually being Holy Spirit filled and and being an overcomer because you, you have put it all on Jesus. I don't know if you're getting that or not, but doing good things because you love God compared to doing good things because you're scared of going to hell one day. Because if that's what you're thinking, you're not saved. You're counting on what you're going to do to measure up to be qualified to get into heaven. That'll never happen. It can never happen. It's got to be you giving up all of your efforts and stepping into God's ways, the grace and mercies of Jesus, and then watch what will happen in your service. Your service to the Lord. You, you'll do it because you love to do it, not because you feel like you're supposed to do it. It's a big difference. <clears throat> so, possession. The nation of Israel went into the Promised Land but never possessed more than 10% of what God said was theirs. So, I think Christians today never possess more than 10% of what the Bible promises them. The same way with this nation of Israel. All right, nine. And that ye may prolong your days in the land which the Lord sware unto your fathers to give unto them and to their seed, a land that floweth with milk and honey. So it's okay to drink milk. And it's really okay to eat honey. Great news. Great news. And and if you get your honey from a local source, it's supposed to help your allergies, right? All right, verse 10. For the land whither thou goest in to possess it is not as the land... Listen to this really carefully. Is, is not as the land of Egypt from whence ye came out where thou sowed, you, you sowedest thy seed and waterest it with thy foot. Do we need to change the word of God here? How do you water stuff with your foot? That's what it says. Obviously, it, there's something wrong with this. If we, because we're real smart, we need to change it. We watered it with uh, water spout. No, all this is saying is, all right, right, listen to what it says right after this. We'll come back to it. I'm not going to change the word of God at all. You know me. There's no way. Even if I didn't understand this, I wouldn't say change it. Because one day it's going to make sense to me. Okay, what does it say after that? Uh, As a garden of herbs, but the land whither ye go to possess it, is a land of hills and valleys, and drinketh water of the rain of heaven. So the parallel verses, they're all through your Bible. The Bible will define itself. And there there are parallel passages all through the Bible. So if you don't understand what this verse means, first step, read the next verse. Okay, so rain... Is is how the earth is drinking up in the land of in this promised land, but where they came from, Egypt, they had to uh, irrigate the water from out of the Nile River. So it was through human effort that cut canals, or you had to go over with a bucket and a and a watering can, and by foot you carried the water and you watered the crops, or by foot you put forth the effort to make those canals go to where you wanted them to go. Now, does it make sense? You can see it in the opposites. You can see it in the same, the same thing. Uh, one, your vocabulary will become much better by reading the Bible. And you'll see one word and you'll see a synonym. So you'll know two different words that mean basically the same thing. And the Bible will start to make sense to you. Okay. Now, 12. A land which the Lord thy God careth for, the eyes of the Lord thy God are always upon it from the beginning of the year even unto the end of the year. And it shall come to pass if ye ye shall hearken diligently unto my commandments which I command you this day to love the Lord your God and to serve him. See, we're supposed to have this heart to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, that I will give you the rain of your land in his due season, the first rain and the latter rain, that thou mayest gather in thy corn and thy wine and thine oil. And I will send grass in thy fields for thy cattle, that thou mayest eat and be full. Oh, no. Are we supposed to be eating the cows by this verse right here? No, we're not supposed to be eating the cow. All right, so we're supposed to be eating the grass. Is that what it says? And I will send grass in thy fields for thy cattle that thou mayest eat and be full. So pick the, if you want to eat the grass to be full, go right ahead. But I think this is saying we're there's the cows are supposed to eat the grass and we're supposed to eat the cows. So you can eat, you can eat, uh, honey and milk, and you can eat cow if you want to eat cow. But if you don't want to eat cow, that's fine. Don't eat it. Go ahead and eat the grass. <clears throat> Sixteen. Take. Heed to yourselves that your heart be not deceived, and ye turn aside and serve other gods, little g gods, and worship them. Now, the reason that that's thrown in there is because the nation of Israel, when they would go through a drought, which was their own fault, because they were not keeping the commandments, they were not pleasing God, and they would forget God and things, and then he would, he's telling us right here, that he would take the rain away, and that the land would start to be drought, and the grass wouldn't grow, and the cows didn't have anything to eat. So when that, when that happened, instead of getting things right with God, they would turn to Baal, which was a, uh, the god of storms, I think. So they wanted rain. So they would... God's not helping them, so they're turning to other gods. That's why he said this right here. You'll actually worship them. 17, and then the Lord's wrath be kindled against you, so they're going to make things even worse. And he shut up the heaven, and there be no rain, and that the land yield not her fruit, unless she perish quickly from off the good land, which the Lord giveth you. Therefore shall ye lay up these, my words, in your heart and in your soul. Notice he's telling them to put these words in your heart and your soul. Now we've read this, this next part, we've read this before. And bind them for a sign upon your hand that they, be, that they may be as frontlets between your eyes. So we've already talked about the uh, Having the little boxes and having the scriptures down in the little boxes, and they would uh, wear them around their wrists. They would put them on their forehead. And, all right, 19, and ye shall teach them your children. We've read all this before. He's just saying it all over again. Speaking of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt write them upon the doorpost of thine house, and upon thy gates that your days may be multiplied and the days of your children in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give them as the days of heaven upon the earth. Now, you know, it's nothing wrong with putting up pictures in your house that have the Word of God on it. It's, there's, all that's fine and good, but if it's only written on the wall and it's not written on your heart, don't let that happen either. It needs to be written, the Word of God, He wants to write it on your heart and your soul. Make sure that it's there. And then you are free to put up however many verses you want throughout your house. You can write it on the doorpost and on the gates of your house. But if all you do is that, you're missing something, because He wants it on your heart and in your soul. 22. For if ye shall diligently keep all these commandments which I command you to do them, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to cleave unto him, then will the Lord drive out all these nations from before you, and ye shall possess greater nations and mightier than yourselves. Every place whereon the soles of your feet shall tread shall be yours, from the wilderness and Lebanon, from the river the the river Euphrates, even unto the uttermost sea shall your coast be. There shall no man be able to stand before you, for the Lord your God shall lay the fear of you and the dread of you upon all the land that ye shall tread upon, as he hath said unto you. Now, remember that. Because if we ever get over to Joshua and we get to Jericho, Who said that very same thing? Rahab. When the two spies showed up there, Rahab said that right there, that we all fear you. We've heard of all the things. So the nation of Israel saw the things that God did and were pitiful, but yet there was a prostitute in Jericho who just heard about the things that God did for Israel, and she had more faith in their God than they had in their own God. Rahab. Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. So the blessing and the curse is there. A blessing, if ye obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day, and a curse, if ye will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside out of the way which I command you this day to go after other gods which ye have not known. And it shall come to pass when the Lord thy God hath brought thee in unto the land, whither thou goest to possess it, that thou shalt put the blessing upon Mount Gerizim. You can correct me if I say it wrong. And the curse... Okay, so the blessings are on Mount Gerizim. Zum, jurism, and the curse upon Mount Ebal. They're between two mountains. Now what's a, ma- a mountain of blessing and a mountain of cursing? Well, think about the two mountains that we're between. The mountain of cursing, curse, would might be Mount Calvary. Because Jesus died on the cross there. That was bad. Oh, but it was so good. It it was the place of the skull. Calvary, Mount Calvary. We're between Mount Calvary and where is Jesus said, it is said that he is coming back to what mountain? I'm not real sure. Maybe the Mount of Olives, which would be, maybe even Gethsemane, but he's coming back. We we're told in scriptures that Jesus is coming back on a mountain. So we're between Jesus dying on the cross and Jesus coming back. We're waiting for his return. And what a blessing that's going to be. 30. Are they not on the other side, Jordan, by the way where the sun goeth down in the land of the Canaanites, which dwell in in the champagne over against Gilgal, beside the plains of Morah. For ye shall pass over Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you, and ye shall possess it and dwell therein, and ye shall observe to do all the statutes and judgments which I set before you this day. Now, that's the end of chapter 11, and now 9, 10, 11 all kind of went together. That was one big group, and we finally got through all of it, so we, we finished up that. But what he's telling them is, you have been given this history lesson, I've warned you, now you're going in, don't forget any of this stuff, but they're going to forget it. Not all, but most will forget it. Why? Why? Because the only thing man has learned from history is that man does not learn from history. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening. Father, I pray that we would be a people who would have a fear of you, that we would be so awestruck by what you have done and what you are doing right now. Father, that we would, just want to glorify you in everything that we do. Father, that we would want to live a life through the power of the Holy Ghost so that we will be that clean vessel that you can use for your service. Father, we all should be wanting to be holy because you are holy. Holy and fit, be a fit vessel to be used by you so that we can bring others into the family, your wonderful family. Thank you, Father. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.